the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman, and Jim Chesco. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Eagles got off to a lousy start, getting washed by that, whacked by that Washington football team, a.k.a. the Redskins. The Phillies needed to win the series in Miami and won just two of seven games. It wasn't a good weekend for Philly sports, that's for sure. We'll cover both of that, along with some fantasy football tips for week two. Our Philly Press Box Hall of Fame broadcaster voting is final. You didn't get in, Chet, by the way. We'll be welcoming that new member to our hall. Yeah, that's all true. And boy, what a rough weekend, Bill. Phil's had a chance to take a nice grip on a playoff spot, and they came up really small, as you said. Some new injuries to deal with for the Phil's also. And of course, the Eagles, after a great first quarter, maybe quarter and a half, turned into a real dud of a game for them. An opening game loss that led to lots of questions about this Birds team, including the coach and the quarterback. Well, and, and a lot of injuries, I think, on that front, too, that uh, you're probably going to get get around to as well. Eagles are oh, yeah. banged up, Phillies are banged up, and we're just getting started. <laughs> yeah, you know it. All right. Well, with that, I've got a couple of great returning guests tonight in Bleeding Green Nation editor Brandon Lee Galton and Edge of Philly Sports Network Freddie Burns joining us. Well, Freddie has his fantasy stuff, as you mentioned. He's going to join us also in making week two NFL picks later in the show. And good to have uh, BLG back with us for the first time in almost six months to the day. He grew a beard in that time. Uh, it's good to have him back. Let's get rolling with some football talk. Let's get Brandon with us. Welcome back, Brandon. Uh, let's talk to Eagles. Uh, you and Chet got a lot to talk about on this. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot to talk about with this team after that week one game. And thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure to be here. Hey, Brandon, let's get to it. It was ugly on Sunday, as we said. And, of course, Philly, sport, uh, Philly sports fans have been killing both the coach and the quarterback the last couple of days. We'll talk about the O-line issues soon, but how much do we have to blame Doug Peterson for this? How much blame does Carson Wentz get for Sunday's horrible loss? Is it is it equal? I, there's a lot of blame to go around. A lot of blame to go around. I mean, really, it's unfortunately, you can kind of blame the, the three main power figures in Philly in terms of like Howie Roseman and Doug Pearson and Carson Wentz. They all kind of share some blame in this. Uh, as far as the game itself specifically, obviously, Carson had just a really bad day, just missed a lot of throws. I mean, for as poorly as the offensive line may have played at times, there were moments where they held up and Carson had time to throw and he just didn't make the throws that were there. And that's kind of an issue. And uh, when I think back at the coaching staff, the job they did, um, they didn't get Carson Wentz on the move. I, I went back after the game on Sunday and I watched every single drop back that Carson Wentz had again. And there was only one time really like where they got him out on the move and it was designed. There's another time where he had to scramble left because he was avoiding pressure. And both of those plays worked out, by the way. They were both first downs. But, you know, we saw how good Carson Wentz was late in the year last year when they moved him out of the pocket. And they didn't do that at all, which kind of makes me think, okay, is that just poor coaching? Or is Carson a little bit more banged up than we know because he had that groin issue late in training camp that caused him to miss a week? I don't know the answer to that, but it's, it's pretty concerning. Yeah, they're pretty quiet sometimes about uh, those injuries. But Carson Wentz, it's year five for him. Now, I've always defended him, and I really thought this would be a breakout year for him. 
not based on game one. I know the line is a mess, but a lot of his poor play Sunday was due to poor decisions on his part. Am I right? And do you expect him to get better as the season goes along? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be this bad. You know, I think we've seen Carson Wentz play at a high enough level uh, for a time now to know he's probably going to be, play, you know, playing better than he did in week one. But, you know, it, the, the problem is, though, I think some of those issues are going to continue to persist, you know, kind of playing hero ball and not throwing the ball away, you know, and, and that obviously was costly um, this past week when he got sacked and then Jake Elliott missed a 53-yard field goal short. And then, uh, you know, just taking too many hits, and then, again, the accuracy stuff is just really concerning. That was a big issue for him last year. In week one already, he had the highest uh, or the highest count of missed throws. You look at pro football reference, they have a stat now called, like, poor throws. And he led the NFL with 13. So, and I just saw those, a number of those on, on film when I, I rewatched. There was this guy, times where guys were open, and he's just missing. Like, and, and he had time to throw. It's a clean pocket. I just, like you know how it's so basic like how can you mess that up so uh definitely a lot of concerning things i, I again I, I think he'll improve it's not always going to be that bad every week but those are real long-standing issues well jalen rager had that great catch the early long reception in the game but not a whole lot else uh the fellow rookie john hightower didn't do much at all he was targeted a lot but didn't really do anything one catch i think for minus two yards or something like that deshaun jackson was only in for a little over half the snaps that's another issue and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who we were told was looking so good in camp, was never even targeted. What is going on with this receiving crew? Yeah, it's a really good question because, I mean, I thought Deshaun was going to have a bigger role than he did. Obviously, the Eagles apparently were trying to manage his snap count. But, I mean, the problem with that is, like, I mean, you're not going to need him late in the year if you're not winning games, you know, and you're not doing well. You have to get there. Um, I thought he needed to be more involved. Obviously, Rager Carson could have hit him on that uh, second deep attempt that was a little too long. I think Rager slowed up a little bit on that route too. So I wouldn't put that just all on Carson. Uh, there's obviously a timing issue there and that, that's going to be expected. You know, these are rookie players. It's not like and rookie players and a shortened training camp, you know, it's not like Carson has had all this time develop chemistry with these players. So that's an issue. And then, yeah, the Arthur Whiteside thing is extremely disappointing. I mean, had a good camp legitimately, you know, I was there, I saw it this year. Uh, I, I don't know that I expected him to be like some kind of star this year, but you figure he could contribute, at least get some targets. And clearly they still don't trust him. And, you know, that's a second round pick and from last year. And to, to get nothing out of that guy is just really disappointing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd hope that the receiving core could be improved heading into this year. I think, you know, Rager will come on and kind of grow as the year goes along. I don't think it'll be quite as bad as last year, but I mean, it's not fixed by any means. Uh, speaking of receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, I said there was no way he'd be back on the team this year, last year. He is technically on the team. I guess he's still injured. Do you think we'll ever see him in a game? What's his outlook? Yeah, so Derek Gunn, I think, said he's not going to be ready until October at the earliest. So that would mean, you know, I think around like week four, uh, again, at the very earliest. And obviously the Eagles didn't put him on the pup list, which would have ruled him out automatically for at least the first six games. So um, maybe week four, week five, we start to see something, especially if the receiving core continues to kind of have some issues like they did in week one. But I mean, I don't know for sure what his outlook is because the Eagles have tried to trade him. You know, obviously his contract situation isn't very favorable or the Eagles can easily do that. But I mean, they've been trying to do it for a year now, according to reports. So I don't think they're going to just stop doing that. So maybe he gets moved at some point, but it's just hard to see a market there. So maybe we actually do see him on the field in like a month or so. 
Well, speaking of issues, the offensive line is a major issue. Lane Johnson is hurt. Now he's saying he's going to be back for week two. We'll see. You had two new guys on the right side, and that was before even Jordan Mailata came in and made his debut. And over at left tackle, again, is Jason Peters, who is 38 now and looked like he was 50 at times on Sunday. Aside from getting Lane healthy, what can be done to improve this line? Yeah. Um, again, I think there were some, some good moments in there, you know, for as ugly as it, it did get it sometimes. So I don't think it's a total lost cause. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just going to be tough. I mean, Jason Peters isn't getting any younger, um, you know, and then as the season goes on, you have to worry about how the wear and tear uh, tolls on his body. I think he's played in like 18 out of, uh, he's played hundred percent of the snaps in 18 out of the last 55 games now. So like, you know, he's going to miss playing time at some point. And then yeah, on the right side, it seems like with the Eagles signing Sua Opeta from the practice squad today on Tuesday, and then also signing uh, Jamon Brown from the Chicago Bears practice squad, it seems like they kind of have a short lease there for Nate Herbig. It seems like they're kind of like preparing in case they have to kind of move on from him there and plug someone else in. Um, obviously, he struggled in his first NFL start, former undrafted rookie free agent. And then Driscoll, you know, I thought he had some good moments and obviously some ones you'd like to have back as well. Uh, we don't know where he is, I guess, exactly injury-wise. You know, he left the game early and Mylotta had to come in. So, I mean, it's not looking great. I mean, Lane Johnson coming back, if he can come back, and again, he said he would um, this Sunday. So hopefully he's telling the truth because it would be great, you know, to have him back. And that, that would help. I mean, but it doesn't fix everything. Well, speaking of uh, mysteries regarding the O-line, what the hell's going on with Matt Pryor? He was going to be the starter a few weeks ago, and then he didn't get on the field on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that that situation is truly bizarre because this is a guy, yeah, who you had lining up at left tackle a couple weeks before the season. You're going to be your starting left tackle, and he wasn't even your third string right tackle. on <laughs> on. And that's not even just because, like, oh, they only want him at left tackle. That's not the case. You know, I've seen him take right guard snaps, uh, first team right tackle snaps. You know, I've seen him work with these, and I thought he had a good summer too. I thought he looked good or at least not terrible. And all of a sudden now he can't get playing time at all. I mean, the Eagles just, they must think he's, he's bad. I mean, I don't really, I don't really know any other logical explanation for that. It's, it's just so bizarre though, because like for them to spend this limited time they had in training camp to have him in the starting lineup and then so quickly feel so bad about him that he's not going to play at all like they wasted time they could have had this time to get Nate Herbig and Jack Driscoll reps together in practice or some of these guys who would actually you know play in week one and they didn't do that they just wasted the time they had with Pryor in there only to realize they didn't like him at all like it's, it's just really perplexing we haven't talked to you Brandon since the draft what did you think of that uh, curious round two selection Jalen Hurts I heard some conspiracy theories out there that the birds could unload Wentz either after this season or definitely after next year when they have an out. And that's what they have in mind because, you know, they think Hertz may be the better long-term guy. Any credence to that? I think the, the issue with that though, when you look at Wentz's contract is they're probably going to have to restructure it after this year to, cause they're, they're $70 million over the cap next off season. And if you sign the Carson or you restructure Carson Wentz's contract, you can lower his cap hit and that would kind of help get under the cap next year. So, um, so I think they're almost going to do that. And by, by doing that, it's almost like you're giving him an extension in terms of his security that he's going to be on the team. So, so I don't really think they're moving on from him. It would take some kind of disaster season. I mean, if he, if he looks like this all 16 weeks, like he did in week one, then yeah, I mean, that could happen, but I, you know, I don't expect that to happen. So I think the Hertz thing is just really perplexing. I mean, Carson Wentz could have used more help or the, the, the team at all. If it's a defensive pick could have used more help. I mean, they had seven starters 
projected week one starters um, missed the game on Sunday. And in the meantime, you're getting no impact from your day two picks this year because Hertz is inactive as a healthy scratch. And then Davion Taylor, they took as like a project linebacker who they knew wouldn't be able to really contribute in year one. So it's just tough to like be in the situation where you're already missing so many guys and then you don't even have young players to kind of be in there uh, to, to help replace them. Well, I think Howie Roseman deserves some uh, blame also for what he did or didn't do in the offseason. Look at the running back situation. Miles Sanders was going to be their go-to guy, but they don't really have any, you know, established backups. Uh, They got, you know, some guys behind them who have some experience, but there's still um, a Freeman out there. And I think he just could have done more because he had nothing really from the other guys on Sunday. Yeah, and they showed interest, you know, in veteran running backs too. You know, they they had interest in Carlos Hyde and LaShawn McCoy and Freeman at one point, but clearly just couldn't agree to price. And the way I looked at running back was they would be okay, you know, if Sanders if Sanders um you know did get hurt or I thought I mean I don't think they needed to add another guy if Sanders was healthy. That's what I'm trying to say. But yeah, as as soon as he goes down, it's it's you know it's just okay. Who do you really trust to hand the ball to? Let's say even like even 10 times a game. Like, do you really feel anyone good about that? And, and you don't really. Um, I think, you know, Miles, uh, or Boston Scott can be a nice role player, kind of in like a Darren Sproles mode. Um, Corey Clement uh, had a good camp, but didn't really, you know, justify that so much when he played in week one here. So, and then that was huge. Just, just not having Miles Sanders in week one was just so huge. He really came on uh, late last year in the season. He looked so good. He was a star player for this team, a dynamic weapon as a runner, and in the in the the passing game and to just not have that was such a big loss and obviously we don't even know 100 percent if he's going to play this week and week two so it's pretty concerning all right zach Ertz, the pro bowl tight end had a key late drop on sunday there was a report over the weekend also that he and howie roseman had a rather heated exchange about his contract situation on the field last week is Ertz going to be an ex-eagle next season or how is this going to play out do you think yeah, it's, it's interesting because like Ertz has two years left on his deal. So I don't think the Eagles should be in any rush to give him a new contract because a lot of things can happen, you know, before that end of his current deal here. Like what if they sign into an extension and then he gets hurt? Like there was no rush to get it done uh, from the Eagles side, at least. I get why Zach Ertz wants more money. He just saw George, uh, you know, Kittle and uh, Travis Kelsey get paid. But like the Eagles aren't in a position where they have to do that. I mean, They've leveraged because look at Dallas Goddard, you know, look how well he played in week one. And that's kind of, you know, that's the option they have there um, if if they don't want to pay Ertz. So I think Zach Ertz is well within his rights to ask for more money and push for that. He's been incredibly valuable to this team. He's been their leading receiver every season for the, since 2016. Um, he's obviously Carson Wentz's favorite, most trusty target. Over that time, he caught the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. He's on pace to not only be an Eagles Hall of Famer, but potentially an NFL Hall of Famer. So this is like a this is a you know a a, a big player of significance in this org. He's he's going to probably break Harold Carmichael's record for all-time re- uh, receptions at one point. Like this is a really significant player in Eagles history, and uh, and you know he obviously feels that way, and. But for the Eagles side, I just think they have all the reason in the world to wait on this for at least, you know, this year and then kind of evaluate what happens after. Like, does Ertz have a good season this year? Does Goddard look better? Um, does it look like 12 personnel works? They have a lot of, like, they need to take this two, 2020 season and, like, uh, learn from it and use it as information and then make a decision after this year. 
One of the units I was excited about was the defensive line this year. But on Sunday, Brandon Graham made some plays, but Fletcher Cox didn't look like he did a whole lot. Uh, Vinny Curry got hurt. Hargrave didn't play. I guess he's still banged up. Uh, what's the outlook there? Is, is Hargrave going to be back soon? Yeah, I don't think he is because the Eagles used one of their four practice squad protections, which is a thing now on T.Y. McGill, which kind of signals to me that they, they might have to call him up again and have him be the fourth defensive tackle. Um, Hargrave didn't practice at all last week. We'll see the first practice report on Wednesday and kind of get a better idea if Hargrave is you know out there or not and how that's looking for Sunday. But yeah, I mean, you brought up Fletcher Cox. I think that's a great point because, you know, it's not like Fletcher Cox is a bad player and it's obviously his impact goes beyond stats. But the problem with that is like, this is the guy with like, like a $22 million cap hit highest on the team. And like, you'd like to see him show up in the box score a little bit more. Or, or like Michael, the question I had after week one was kind of like, when's the last time he really took a game over and just like totally dominated and ruined the other team's offense. Like I can't really remember that off the top of my head. And that's an issue. You need your best players to pit, to play like your elite, most dominant players and defensively, Fletcher Cox didn't really play that way. And then offensively, you know, the next highest paid guy is Carson Wentz, and he didn't play like that. So that's going to be a problem when the guys you pay the most aren't playing like your best players. One final Eagles uh, question for you. What was your prediction for the Eagles going into the season? Has it changed at all based on what you saw in game one? And then what do you think about the game against the Rams this Sunday? Yeah, so I have them around nine and seven. You know, I haven't felt super optimistic about them. And and really, you know, when you think about that nine and seven, that's what they've been the past two years. So that's why I kind of think they're around. I don't think they've gotten, you know, significantly better. And now, obviously, with all these injury issues and Carson Wentz, you know, off to a shaky start, it's, you know, I'm still around there nine and seven. I don't think it's going to be this disaster season, although you can clip this, of course, when it, if that does happen, then I look like a fool. But <laughs> I just think it's kind of going to be this year where, you know, it's it's good, but it's not good enough. And I think the NFC East is still so weak, you know, that the Eagles can kind of hang around here. All the other teams, you know, didn't look great in week one. Um, as far as, uh, you know, what this what Sunday looks like, I think – you know, I've seen this team enough kind of bounce back from from bad losses and tough situations before where I actually have some level of faith that they will win. I think Miles Sanders and, and Lane Johnson might be back, so that would obviously be big. Uh, Jared Goff has an 83.4 passer rating in his last 25 games. Like He's not any good. We've seen uh, Sean McVay get outcoached by Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz before, so I think the Eagles can beat the Rams, um, and, I, and I think they will. Uh, it'll be close, but I, I think they can win it. Last question, uh, a Sixers question. We know you're a Sixers fan, Brandon. How disappointing was it the way this past season ended for them? And who do you want to see them hire as their next head coach? Yeah, honestly, I couldn't even watch like the playoffs. Cause I just, I knew it was going to happen. Like this team has not been even before, you know, the break happened. Um, this team was just not enjoyable or fun to watch. It's like, well, why am I watching this? I'm not enjoying myself. I'm just kind of miserable. And I was not entertained at all. And uh, to me, head coach doesn't even matter if like, you know, if this front offense isn't going to be a change. I think there are a lot of issues there. The management needs to they need to clean house there. There's just too many voices, it seems like, in the room. I mean, the Sixers themselves admitted that like Elton Brand was or Elton Brand admitted himself that he was unqualified for this job and basically said like he was learning on the job. But it's okay now because it's just him and it's not like this collaboration that they had. I mean, that's just really not inspiring stuff there. So, I mean, uh, you know maybe it's um, the former uh, Billy Donovan, you know, the former Thunder coach, maybe that's the right yeah. fit for them. Uh, I would someone like that. like that. 
yeah, I, I like I guess that's the best name I can throw out there right now. But again, to me, it kind of just doesn't really matter, you know, if the uh, if the management doesn't get changed and they kind of shake things up there. I hear you. Bill. Hey, Brandon, uh, before we let you go, can you let the viewers know where they can follow Bleeding Green Nation and all your social media outlets? You have a lot going on, as always. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. Obviously, you can check me out at bleedinggreennation.com. You can check out uh, Bleeding Green Nation's podcast, BGN Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowan. You can follow Bleeding Green Nation on Twitter at Bleeding Green. I'm doing a national NFL show now. It's called the Off Day Debrief. That's on SB Nation NFL uh, podcast feed. You can check that out. Um, so a lot of stuff, uh, always busy. Very nice. Hey, and congrats. I didn't know about your national program. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank Good you. job. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Brandon. Take All care, right, man. Brandon. Great stuff. Thanks for taking the time and uh, we'll catch up with you during the season for sure. All right. Sounds good. See ya. All right. Well, Hey Chet, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania at 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And hey, Bill, we were just tiny toddlers, of course, at this time, but this song hit number one this week, 60 years ago. Chubby Checker, man. Real name Ernest Evans, by the way. He was born in South Carolina, but grew up in South Philadelphia. Well, how about that? And uh, yeah, we were toddlers, that's for sure. Well, hey, Chet, I wanted to jump in and uh, and let the viewers know. I, I opted out of the interview with Brandon. I did that on purpose since it's really not good to uh, talk about a game that you didn't watch. And uh I guess I'm one of the 30% based on uh, early TV ratings that opted out, uh, tuned out to the NFL, if you will. The NFL is just not for me right now, my friend. Explain why. People want to know. Well, um, you know, Jed, I, I, I'm a, to a fault, I am probably a black and white guy. I'm not a gray guy. You know, you're either here, you're either in, you're out. You know what I mean? So, uh I kind of feel a lot like, um, and this probably isn't going to be popular to a lot of people, but I, I feel like the whole uh, NFL situation is pretty hypocritical. Um, you know, I think end racism signs in the, uh, you know, painted in the end zone, uh, black national anthems, names on helmets. Um, you know, to me, that creates racism. That doesn't end racism. And I think the NFL has taken a, a stance with the whole Black Lives Matter thing. The Black Lives Matter as Black Lives Matter is certainly very important. Black Lives Matter as an organization is not a good thing. So the slogan, you know, I had the same problem with the N NBA. The slogan is, I guess, okay as a slogan. But to support that organization, which I believe the NFL does, is not for me. Uh, on the flip side, I saw Derrick Henry walking into the stadium in a, he's a big man, in a big jacket that had names of every uh, person that he felt was, whatever the right word is. Uh, I have no problem with that. 
no problem whatsoever. What he wants to do outside that stadium, he can wear that jacket 24-7. Does not bother me one bit. Take it off in the locker room. Come in, play the game. It's entertainment. They're supposed to be entertaining us, not giving us their political views. So they get it right. I'll be back. Love the game. All right. I respect your opinion on that. And you're certainly not alone in that stance. I mean, we saw several dozen Facebook friends recently saying things like, that's it. I'm done with the NFL. We know the NBA playoff ratings are down. And while Tom Brady gave Fox some nice numbers for the late afternoon game on Sunday, it's best week one numbers in years, four years. uh, The Sunday night football game between the Cowboys and Rams was down 34% from a year ago. So yeah, you do have lots of company on that. You mentioned, uh, yeah, the NBA uh, and it, the Black Lives Matter stance and its ratings being down. But here's my take. Players have a right to protest. It is important to them. You may not like the way they choose to do it, but they have that right and feel that the best way to get their message out there in hopes of getting some of the, I think, a real problem of racial and social injustice addressed is to do it this way. So it doesn't bother me. Uh, At the same time, yeah, there is some hypocrisy uh, in the leagues and how they haven't let uh, players, you know, go to bat for uh, police officers who were victims of crime and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's some definite hypocrisy, but I can deal with it. I can get over it. But even if it did bother me, I would handle it the way I handle various other things when it comes to television, talk shows, music shows, whatever. I would tune out or turn away from the particular segment that I don't really care about or have an issue with, and then tune back in for the parts that I want to see. And in the case of football and basketball, I enjoy that. So that's my stand on that. I can't tell you what to do, of course, but that's my approach, how I handle it. Well, and heck, that's what makes America great is you can, you can choose, you know, uh, you choose to watch. I choose not to. Heck, that's what makes this a great country. Uh, if everybody made us do one thing or the other, uh, we don't want to live like that either. So, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things. I, I guess I guess what I'm really, I'm really waiting to see, though, Chet, because I think this is important. These, these NFL people are not stupid, right? So you're down 30% on your ratings, it's not going to probably get better. If anything, it's going to get worse. But let's stick with 30%. You go 30% people aren't watching. Sponsors aren't going to pay money. Owners aren't going to make money. Players aren't going to make money when they lower the salary cap. It's a, it's a bad situation for all of these people to have put themselves in. And I'm going to make a prediction, my friend. I'll go with week eight, maybe week nine, because there's a bye week in there probably. Week eight, week nine, this stuff is over because they go, they're going to have to have these viewers back. And I always say, follow the money. Oh, yeah. It's going to be real interesting to see how they respond if the ratings do stay down, you know, 25 to 30 or 40% because they're not used to that. I mean, there's been some occasional slippage in recent years, but nothing that drastic. And Roger Goodell, for all the criticism he gets, I think he's still a pretty smart guy and will know that he has to do something here to change the situation. Well, they're they're all smart. I mean, they're all smart people. And and, But like you say, at the end of the day, it's the players who are going to lose money. They're they're all going to lose money. It's all going to trickle down. And when they come back next year and say, hey, there's no salary cap increase. Matter of fact, there's a salary cap decrease. 
because not only did we not have fans in the seats, now our sponsors are dropping out or not wanting to spend the money. Uh, we, you know, everybody loses here. This is uh, so, so, I mean, that's not to say you don't stand by your convictions. If the, if the players feel this way and they want to do it, I mean, it's the right, as we say, it's the right to do it. I'm just surprised that the league jumped in lock, stock and barrel in this thing. And if they'd have watched the NBA, they, they knew they would have known there was going to be some problems. Baseball did their opening day thing. Um, hockey kind of did their opening day little thing. And then they stopped it. They all made their, their point They're You know, they're all supporting the, the situation, but it's not an every night or every game thing. And hockey and baseball ratings aren't down like the others. So what happens uh, for you in future weeks? Are you like a week-to-week thing, depending on uh, what the league does, or what, what are you going to do? Well, I, I mean, I don't hate the game, obviously. I, I, I love the game. I love to watch it. But they're just going to have to do things a little bit different to get me back on board. And, you know, when they do it and the hypocrisy goes away, I'll come back. All right. We'll keep an eye on your situation then, Bill. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff though. I mean, it's uh, it's good. It's good discussion. I think it's uh, it's open discussion. It's probably good that me and you both have different views on it. And, uh, and like I say, it's great that we have a choice that we can make here and uh, nobody's saying, Hey, you must watch or you must not watch. So great to, still great to be an American. All right. You got it. Uh, well, Hey, let's, uh, let's get to our Philly press box radio hall of fame broadcaster voting it's closed we have a new member of our hall of fame chip yeah and once again we had two philly broadcast legends in there already from a few years ago when we did this with the broadcasters harry callis and gene hart and then we had five names on the ballot this year and just one of them would be joining harry and gene those five nominees were pa greats dan baker and lou nolan plus the legendary bill campbell Longtime Eagles radio voice, Merrill Reese, who you heard right here on this show last week, and the Sixers TV voice since the mid-90s now, Mark Zumoff. As you said, no, I was not on the ballot. That's an outrage, but uh, how'd, the vote, how'd the voting go, Bill? Well, the voting, uh, I probably went as expected, I think. Uh, Merrill Reese was our leader, 66% of the vote. Bill Campbell was second, 27% of the vote. Lou Nolan, Dan Baker, Mark Zumoff split the final 7%. Uh, not a lot of support for those three. So Merle is our guy. Bill Campbell certainly uh, much deserving, but Bill Campbell hasn't been around for a long time. So I think uh, kind of made Merle a little bit of a shoe in, no? Yeah, I agree. And uh, I voted for Merrill, I got to be honest. And, uh, you know, Merrill's already in the Eagles Hall of Fame, and I'm sure he'll be thrilled to know that he's now in the Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame too. Well, absolutely. He'll, he'll <laughs> sleep better tonight. Just knowing that I'm sure he's, yes. I'm sure he's listening. Yes. So, he is. No, good, good choice. And uh, we'll do that again. Uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, several people commented saying like they all should be in, you know, and they probably all should and all will get there eventually. Yeah. And then we have to decide if we're going to expand it to, you know, the non play by play MPA guys, like somebody said, well, why, why isn't Ray Dinger in there? Or, you know, maybe some people will just go for, uh, you're not going to like this name, but like Angelo Cataldi, you know, he's a, Jim he's a radio. Jim yeah. Chesco. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're broadcasting greats in a lot of people's minds, Howard Eskin, that would certainly cause some debate. So we'll have to talk about that in one of our meetings that we never have. 
Yeah, there you go. Hey, we got we got time till next year. Yes, we All do. right. Hey, Chet, Philly's had the table set for him. Make that serious run in the NL East, uh, going into Miami for a seven-game series. Uh, what we got was a two-and-five weekend, serious injuries, lousy bullpen. They're in big trouble. Fifteen games to go, four games out of first place, and they're banged up. Yeah, 14 now left, actually. They're 23 and 23 as we speak. And with the expanded playoffs this year, that still leaves them right there in a playoff spot. In fact, they're in one of the two final wild card spots battling with, yep, Gabe Kapler's San Francisco Giants, believe it or not. Uh, a tough past week for sure. Injuries to JT and Reese Hoskins. Hoskins on the IL now. And uh, last Thursday, I believe, the strangest injury of the bunch, Zach Wheeler ripping a fingernail on his pitching hand while putting on his pants. As, as Joe Girardi said, you can't make this stuff up. Well, Chet, you know, I, I've been putting on pants for a lot of years, <laughs> and uh, I can't say that I ever injured myself, <laughs> and I can't say that I ever thought about that I would injure myself putting on my pants. Once I read, read how that happens, I, I guess I get it. You know, it's uh, his finger – his nail is basically separated from his finger a little bit, and it's from pitching. It's from rolling the ball off of his hand. Um, it's been that way for years and years, and I guess he caught that nail set that is separated from his finger and yanked that nail up, and I don't know if it's off or not, but uh, he missed the weekend. It now looks like he's missing the Mets series. Um, there was even a rumbling that he could possibly miss the rest of the season. Yeah, that would not be good. And, uh, I mean, the Phillies really need some pitching, obviously. We've talked about the bullpen. The starters have been relatively decent. I'm not going to say great, but Wheeler was the best of the bunch. Zach or Aaron Nola has had a lot of good starts, a couple of clunkers in there, but he was great last week. Uh, the bullpen is still scary as hell, even with all the new guys. We talked about that last week with Bob Brookover. Uh, somehow they're still in the hunt with 14 games to go. But uh, they, they didn't look like they had a whole lot of life in a series against the Marlins that I really thought they had to take four out of seven. They went two and five. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny that you said that because uh, I did watch a post-game live. Well, I watched most of both games the other day. But last night, post-game live, two former players, Ben Davis, Ricky Patalico, both made the comment that one team came to play, one team didn't. And that is that is the worst thing for a manager that could possibly be said is your team was not prepared to play, didn't come to play. It's not a good sign for Girardi. Yeah, and it certainly looked like that. And, you know, the fans aren't killing Girardi like they did Gabe Kapler the last two years when he said some of the same kind of stuff, you know, throw, putting the positive spin on it. Like, no, the players are still playing hard. Um and there's going to be injuries, but uh, the Girardi seem is like he's getting a pass for all that. And I don't know if he should. A lot of people thought Girardi would make a difference of, you know, a handful of wins this year. He hasn't yet. I mean, you, I don't know how much a manager can do in baseball, but uh, right now they're the same place they've been the last two years, right around 500. Yeah. Well, and, and to Girardi's, I don't know if it's his credit, but his concern is, Tonight, he's starting Roman Quinn in center field. He's got Garlic in left field. He's got Harper in right field, and McCutcheon is the DH. Uh, how many games are you winning towards the playoff with Quinn and Garlic in your start lineup? Baum is now playing first base tonight with uh, 
with Hoskins out for he's on the on the DL or IL or whatever list they call it. He's not he's not available for some time. I mean, he's patchwork here for the final 14. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, they need Hoskins, and he's going to be out for another week for sure because it's a 10-day thing. Uh, JT is still up in the air. They could certainly use him, although Andrew Knapp's been playing better than he did in past years. He's no JT Real Muto. So they got to turn it around real soon. Fortunately, they're playing the Mets right now, who they've had a lot of success with last year and this year. Let's hope that can continue. Arietta on the mound tonight. Uh, and I don't want to mention this name, but Vinny Velasquez is still going to make a couple of more starts. If he's here next year, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> you said that last year. Yeah, and I still can't year. stand him. And, and, you know, and the Phils are still making roster moves. They're bringing guys up and down and, uh, you know, some guys, more guys making their debut. Um, you know, it's it's awful late for, for making your debut in the season uh, when you're trying to make a, a playoff run. Yes, it is. Uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Phil's only have one day off the rest of the way. So they got to win some games right here. Well, one final question on the Phil's Chet. I got to ask you 14 games to go. JT Real Muto is not going to be signed during the season, obviously in the next two weeks. Um, they, they got to go all in here. Um, Sanchez, <laughs> Sanchez in Miami is certainly making the Phillies have to go all in. Um, what do you think? I mean, he's probably going to get 50 extra million dollars by waiting or whoever waited the Phillies or JT, uh, because there's going to be a bid more. It's going to be between Atlanta, the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers and the Phillies are all going to get in this. Hunt. Yeah. JT's going to get paid no matter where he goes. And you mentioned the Mets. They just got a new owner who is likely to be approved anyway in November. Uh, and he's going to spend money. So, yeah, JT's going to get a lot of money wherever he ends up, and the Phillies know that, and they saw what Sanchez did on Sunday and what he's done in his four or five starts. So if they don't re-sign JT, that trade is going to look real bad. Yeah, it is. Hey, one other thing I just have to remind you, that that kid that was playing third base that's going to play first base tonight, yeah. he can Oh, Alec Bohm? Yeah. Yeah, I think I might have been telling you that. Along yeah, the way. And you're right. I had no no doubt about that. He's he's fitting in right away. He looks like he's been there for, you know, four years already. He, he's a veteran already, even though he's just a rookie. Yeah, he's a good-looking kid. He's he's going to swing the bat. He's going to have his down times, too, obviously, but uh, he, he can swing the bat. Hey, you ready to hear some music? I am. All right, let's do it. Man, I tell you what, Chet, let's welcome back Freddie Burns to talk fantasy football. We'll make some predictions, NFC predictions. Freddie, welcome. The music is back. What's up, guys? I love it. How we doing? <laughs> hey, Fred, uh, good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Fred, uh, we're going to talk a little fantasy football, so let's get this thing rolling. We need – we got injuries all over the board. We got underachievers in week one. A few surprises. Uh, I know you were big on uh, Mac out there in Indianapolis. He's out for the season, I see. Uh, what What's happening? Who, who are we going to play this week? Now, I, I wasn't Mac. I, I was actually Antonio Gibson, who, who didn't do much against us, uh, even though the Eagles lost. But, yeah, that Marlon Mack injury is huge because um, now you have Naheem Hines, who carried the load. I did like Jonathan Taylor. And I think eventually he will take over the role, but but right now it's going to be Naheem Hines. So 
he's a guy that probably you didn't draft that if he's on your waiver wire, you can grab a number one running back at least for the next couple of weeks. There's injuries all over right now. <laughs> hey, by the way, how did you do in week one? I know you're in a bunch of leagues. Uh, how'd you do personally? I split, but I did terrible in my uh, start one, sit one, like article I do on Sunday mornings. Uh, my buddies and, and people that follow me were crushing me. I think I did uh, see that <laughs> your, your son even uh, commented because he had a rough week himself. And uh, I did good on the sits, though. I called Gronk was going to be bad and he and he didn't do anything. I called to sit Carson Wentz, even though he had two touchdown passes. because I was scared of the line. So my sits, I did OK. But as far as who to play. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a great week. <laughs> All right, so week two, what do you recommend to people for week two? Week two, um, I'm going to say go get Robbie Anderson off the waiver wire. I had a hunch about him, but I, I didn't draft him. He had six catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the other running back, I would say go get Malcolm Brown. He looks like the feature guy for the Rams. Uh, Cam Akers. Of, is the drafted running back, but right now he looks like he's getting a bulk of the carries. I, I forget the amount of yards he had, but the percentage of touches were well more than uh, Cam Akers. So go get Malcolm Brown at the quarterback position. I I can't believe this hot streak's continuing. He only had like 180 yards, but Gardner Minshew three touchdown passes this weekend. He's a guy to go grab. Also, O.J. Howard at tight end. I, I know Gronk is there, but I think O.J. Howard is, is going to be the guy, and, and he did, he was this weekend. He had about seven targets, four catches, uh, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I, I like O.J. Howard. And um, who else at the receiver position? Who am I lacking here? Oh, oh Paris Campbell. Uh, Paris Campbell in the Indianapolis Colts. He is on the waiver wire as well. He had seven catches, 67 yards or something and a touchdown. He's another guy you can go grab off the waiver wire. Hey, Fred, at this point, is Dallas Goddard a better selection than Zach Ertz for people? Good question. I was thinking that. I was looking at it. It seemed like Goddard was featured more in the offense. But I, I do think Ertz was open. He was having an okay day besides that drop. So I wouldn't be... I wouldn't jump on the Goddard train quite yet, but um, I would definitely have him on my roster. Don't get me wrong. And, and I may start him depending who else my other tight ends are, but I don't think Ertz is done by any means. Okay. Bill. All right. Well, good stuff, Fred. And uh, so let's get to some predictions. What do you think? Uh, there are four NFC games this week. So we're going to throw all four of them out. I'm going to sit these out, Fred, since uh, I haven't been watching the games. So. Bill's on strike. I'm on, I'm on, I'm one of that 30% that's not watching. So I'm going to sit this out. Uh, I'll be back a little later in the year when they get it straight. All right. We got Giants at the Bears. The Bears are minus five. Falcons at the Cowboys. Cowboys minus five. Washington is at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals minus six and a half. And last, the Eagles host the Rams. And when I wrote this up, Fred, last night, the Eagles were minus one and a half. Today, they are plus one and a half. Uh, who do you like? Giants at the Bears. Bears minus five. Well, you you went 0-4 last week anyway, though, right? I don't know. Did I? I didn't follow. <laughs> I didn't even check the records, to be honest. I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I, I don't even know who won the games other than the Eagles. I know the Eagles won, and I know the, the Buccaneers. Lost. Or the Eagles lost, and that the Bucks lost. Cowboys I, lost. And that's what I know. And the NFL lost. Uh, all right, Fred. Giants-Bears. Giants, Bears, I'm, I'm going Bears. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky had a, had a decent week. 
I thought the Giants would be better. I, I guess they, they may improve, but they look they didn't look too too good on uh, Monday night. So I'm going to go with the Bears. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears as well. They're at home. Uh, I don't think the Giants are that good yet. So you got to go Chicago in that one. All right, Falcons at the Cowboys. Cowboys minus five. They both lost, didn't they? Yeah, Correct. they did. Yeah. Fred? Um, hmm. I'm going to go with the ah, – five's a big spread. I'm going to go with the Cowboys – um, I feel like that spread should be closer. So I think Vegas is leaning that maybe the Falcons aren't as good as I, I, I would think that would be like a one or two, especially them coming off the loss, but I'm going to go Cowboys here. I, I think they'll, they'll beat the Falcons. I think the Cowboys rebound, uh, it's their home opener. And, uh, I don't think the Falcons are a great team. Not that the Cowboys are, but I hate picking them. I hope I'm wrong actually, but I'm picking the Cowboys. All right, Redskins. Well, Washington. Sorry, that one was by accident. Washington is at Arizona. Cardinals minus six and a half. Yeah, I don't think the Redskins are any bit as good as they looked on um, Sunday. Uh, the Cardinals looked very good. They got a lot of weapons on that offense. Their O line is not going to look like ours. I'm going to take the Cardinals. Yeah, the Washington Football Team, as we call them now, uh, beat the Eagles. Give them credit for that but I don't think they're really that good. I'm taking the Cardinals in this one. So Arizona wins. I'm going to throw a quick question in just for my curiosity before we get to the last game. How did Chase Young play in that game against the Eagles? He was good. What did he have, Fred? One and a half sacks, uh, four tackles, and uh, forced fumble. I mean, I felt he was going against a D3 line, though. I mean, he did play well, but they were throwing all types of stuff. After once, once, um, Rivera, not, I wouldn't say Rivera. I, well, yeah, it would be Rivera. Once Rivera and uh, Jack Del Rio adjusted, the Eagles had nothing. Those linemen. So he played well, but the competition, I, I don't know if it was up there. Yeah, and now we get to see Aaron Donald this week, so that's going to be another challenge for the Eagles. Yeah. Chase Young's going to be a good player. Oh, yeah. All right, uh, Eagles host the Rams, as you say, and Aaron Donald. Eagles uh, are now plus one and a half, a big point swing here today. Who do you like, Fred? Yeah, I don't. I don't know until they get this line cleaned up. They just signed Jamal Brown or something off a yeah. practice squad from the Bears. Um, I think that it's going to continue right here. The the D line, Aaron Donald. I saw him blow through three Cowboys off the ball, and they have a pretty good offensive line. I'm I'm very concerned again this week. I I, I think the Rams are going to win, and even how the spread is going, I, I saw some places Eagles opened up at four and a half, like that early line before it goes really? to the public, and for that to go all the way to one even two and a half to one this quickly. Um, um, I'm going to take the Rams stinks. Yeah. Rams are favored now. So this Eagles game is really tough for me to analyze on a Tuesday night when we don't know for sure who's going to be playing for the Eagles, especially Lane Johnson says he's going to play. We'll see Miles Sanders though. Still a question mark. Brandon Graham is in concussion protocol. We don't know if he's going to be there, but while the prospect of that Eagles O-line going up against Aaron Donald and company is pretty scary. I'm just going to go out on a limb and believe that Doug Peterson and his staff were so embarrassed by what happened Sunday. that They're going to make sure that they get it right this week. They're going to make some adjustments. Carson Wentz knows he has to play better, has to protect the ball better. I'm going to say that happens and the Eagles pull out a 24 to 20 win. Hmm. Hey, let me ask you, uh, Miles Sanders, uh, hamstring injury doesn't make the trip. Uh, is he expected to play this week? Uh, hamstrings, you know, 
you can treat them, but you got to rest them. That's the only way they're going to get better or, or he's going to be out for a long time. Is he expected back soon? Have you heard anything, Fred? No, I, I heard that, that he's, they're monitoring it, but it doesn't sound like he's going to go, you know, Lane, Lane Johnson right away is like, I'm playing. So I, the fact that they're just very quiet about the Miles Sanders I, I, leads me to believe he's probably not going to play. And like you said, the hamstring, is it worth it to pull the hamstring and lose five, six games? Probably not. If you, if you start the season, Oh, and two or one and three, but then you get them for the rest of the year. It's, it's certainly worth it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was sorry to hear about Brandon Graham. Uh, I was never a huge Brandon Graham fan, especially in his young career as an Eagle, but uh, he turned it up and turned it to be a really good player. And I was hate to see that. Uh, I heard that he had a concussion. That's, that's not good. Yeah. So get well, Brandon, cause they could certainly need or use him. So we'll see if he is uh, back in time for Sunday, maybe not, but hey, Derek, Fred, Gunn, we... Derek Gunn did say he's, he's feeling fine. He has to oh, pay the protocols, but he, he feels great. There's no symptoms at this good. point. Before good. we let you go, Fred, we didn't talk to you about it last week. And I asked uh, Brandon Lee Gowton about this, the Sixers situation, the new head coach, who's it going to be? I'm campaigning for Billy Donovan. Who would you like to see them bring in? Uh, Billy Donovan's tough too, because you know, he, he didn't really win anything either with, with a lot of good players. I'm, uh, I'm on the Jason Kidd train still. I, I think I, I want to see Jason Kidd here. I think he needs to get an opportunity to be a head coach. I think the other guys are kind of retreads that haven't done anything anywhere. Tyrone Lou has the best resume and he is a championship coach with a great record. I just, I don't know. You make the argument though. A lot of times I'm like, yeah, well, that's LeBron's team, but that's just like, that's like saying Phil Jackson. Oh, well he had Kobe. He had Jordan. Of course you need good players, but I feel like that Cavs team would have won with or without Lou. All right. Well, I hope they make a decision before too long. Cause a couple of guys have been gobbled up already. Well, yeah. I think maybe they, maybe they're waiting on Jason kid. Cause he's still in the playoffs with the Lakers. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, Fred, before we let you go, let the viewers know where they can follow all your social media outlets. you got the uh, edge of Philly sports tonight. I know uh, what all tomorrow you got night. going or tomorrow night. I'm a day ahead. Yeah. It's right, Tuesday. Right. So yeah, you can find me at Freddie Burns on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter at Fred Hugo underscore. And then every Wednesday night on uh, edge of Philly at nine 30 PM. And then also I'll be doing articles all year, a pre preview article on Fridays for the Eagles as well as fantasy football um, picks to, to start or sit your players on Sunday mornings on edgyphillysports.com. Sounds good. Good deal, Fred. Well, we appreciate you joining us and uh, we'll see you next week. I love it. See you guys. Go birds. All right. Go birds. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, you've asked uh, Brandon, you've asked Fred. Now we got to ask you, what do you think the Sixers are waiting for to hire this head coach? Maybe Fred is right. Maybe it is Jason Kidd. Uh, presently, five openings. Three have been filled. So there were eight openings. Uh, five are still there. Who's going to get it? I have no idea. I was just thinking Billy Donovan because, you know, he's kind of an outsider of the organization. And uh, he's had some success. No, he hasn't won a title. But he. I just like what I've seen from him. I was never a big uh, D'Antoni fan. Um Tyron Lue, a lot of people don't like it. I think they just think back to the Iverson step over of him, which has nothing to do with his coaching ability. So I don't know. I just hope they get somebody in who can get 
Ben Simmons to take an outside shot and to make sure that Joel Embiid stays in good shape? Well, I, I, I want to ask you this, and, and I'm, in all seriousness, with the NBA the way it is now and players having so much say in things, um, do you consult with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris when you make this move? Uh, whoever comes in has to get these guys to play. And I think as we've talked throughout the year, uh, that has been a challenge. That was a challenge for Brett Brown. Yeah, that's always a question uh, when you're hiring somebody new. Do you consult your top players? I don't know if they've reached that, you know, LeBron or Kobe level where they have to be consulted first. So I don't think it's necessary, but I don't know how Elton Brand's going to handle it. And Elton Brand has a lot riding on this choice because, you know, if this doesn't work out, I think he's going to be gone too. So I don't envy him, but he's got to get it right. But yeah, I don't know if you talk to Simmons and Embiid about that. I'm really not sure. Yeah, it's. A, I think it's kind of interesting. It, the NBA of all of all the leagues is a little different beast when it comes to that because it is so star driven on these teams, and uh, you know they they certainly have a lot of say in what what goes on for sure. Yep, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for us, the Sixers. Yes, it is. All right, let's take another quick break. Thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line Razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook page. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC. 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. All right. All right. Hey, Chet, great guest tonight of Brandon Lee Galton and Freddie Burns. Uh, who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? And we will be back on Wednesday schedule, right? Yeah, that's pretty much all I know at this point. We are going to be back on our usual Wednesday night spot, Wednesday the 23rd, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And we'll be joined by TBD, the old to be determined. I have uh, one feeler out there, but he hasn't gotten back to me yet. It is a guy, you know that he can talk about all sorts of different sports. So uh, we'll see if that happens or if I have to find somebody else, you'll be the first to know. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad of that. All right. Good stuff. Hey, uh, Chad, let's talk about the Philly press box radio website up and running people who voted for uh, our coaching broadcast or our broadcast hall of fame got to, uh, see the website if they went over there. Uh, you can watch our podcast, some Vimeos, some Philly sports articles, some we write, uh, some we share. Our YouTube channel is up and running as well. Good stuff. Yeah, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. As you said, video versions of our shows since the spring are on there. Lots of other cool stuff. Go to the uh, YouTube site and then just subscribe to Philly Press Box Radio. You'll get all the new stuff that we put on there. Like last week, we put the whole entire show on, as well as uh, a breakdown of just the Merrill Reese interview, which was a whole lot of fun to do and a whole lot of fun to watch, I think. Uh, people seem to be liking it. And uh, yeah, be sure to follow both Philly Press Box Radio on Twitter and Instagram and heck follow me on both of those places too. Yeah. And you know, one thing we, we haven't mentioned in a long time is uh, since we started doing the Facebook live is you could still, if you're out and about, you can still listen to us um, the, the um, on Philly press box radio blog talk radio as well. So you can still listen if you're not available to watch. 
yep, they show up on there uh, later in the, the same evening. So it'll be on there later tonight. You can uh, find the audio version right there. There you go. All right. Do you have a parting shot tonight? We're running a little close on our time. Not a true parting shot, just a couple of things that I noticed regarding uh, this week and this particular day. Um, Bill, it was in 1965 today that Lost in Space debuted on TV. I loved that show as a kid. And on the very same day and the very same network, as a matter of fact, Green Acres debuted. I loved Green Acres. I had a crush on Ava Gabor as a kid, and I can still <laughs> sing the theme song today. You want to sing it with me? Green uh, Acres is the place to be. Maybe no, not. but but I did watch it a bunch of times. All right, well. and a couple of uh, couple of birthdays. Dan Marino celebrating birthday number fifty nine today. The late great BB King would have been ninety five tomorrow, Wednesday. I don't know if you know this guy, but Fee Waybill, lead singer of the Tubes, who had the hits Talk to You Later. She's a beauty and a favorite of mine that wasn't a huge hit. White Punks on Dope. Fee Waybill is 70 today. And I'm not going to give his age, but the legendary Bill Furman has a birthday on Thursday. So have a happy one, Chief. Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, I had it as the 17th. 16th. 16th. I was off by a day. Yes. <laughs> well, happy birthday. And Mark Iavaroni, world champion, <laughs> 76er birthday, is also today. There you go. Wrap it up, Thank Bill. you. Thank you for the birthday wishes. Wrap it up. All right, let's wrap it up. Thank tonight's special guests, Brandon Lee Gowden and Freddie Burns. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Boys of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, and Chris Furman, again, on the controls tonight. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, September 23rd at 7 p.m. You can listen to us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blocktalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts and others. Hi, hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go Birds! B-A-T-L-E-S-E-O-S!